Hi, this is Nick Dawson, the editor-in-chief of TalkHouse Film, and you're listening to the TalkHouse Film Podcast. Altman, a new documentary by Ron Mann about the late, great Robert Altman, premiered this week on Epics, and because of this, TalkHouse Film had an opportunity to talk with Elliot Gould, one of the director's regular actors, and also one of the most interesting leading men in the history of Hollywood. I had long wanted to do a podcast with Robert Downey, the great director of such cult comedies as Putney Swope and Greaser's Palace, who is not only one of the most underrated cinematic visionaries of his time, but also a terrific raconteur. So, we put Downey and Gould together for a podcast. It turned out that their paths had crossed back in the 70s, and also when Gould had reached out to Bob about visiting his son, Robert Downey Jr., at a well-publicized low point of his life and career. Over the course of their conversation, the two talk about, as you'd expect, Altman, his movies, and Altman's wife, Catherine, but also aging, marriage, baseball, and the state of the world, and tell stories involving Warren Beatty, Francis Ford Coppola, and Groucho Marx. You're definitely getting your money's worth here. The last time I saw you was in the Broadway Show League softball game. <laughs> I get, get wholesale, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, had, had, hadn't we spoken? Yes. Between then and now? Yes. Uh, when, when I met your son? Yes, I was going to thank you for that call and also... Please, thank you. Thanks for him. And your visit. Well, you know, we all can use a visit every now and then. Yeah, well, I've had too many. You have? <laughs> yeah, visits. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Well, he's... I'm listening. Go ahead. No, he's doing great. Well, I know. Isn't that something? I'm so happy. Yeah, that's the longest nine count I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, the longest nine count. Oh, my gosh. The last hit I got uh, in the Broadway show league, <laughs> I doubled off of George C. Scott. I, w- the last- I was the catcher. I was the catcher for George. For Circle in the Square? No, Andersonville trial. It was a different game. Uh, yeah, he, he was uh, I loved him. He was great. Never got close to working with him, but I know he loved playing uh, softball in the park, and that meant something to me. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Actually, I, I played for the Actors' Equity team uh, as well. Uh, uh, but I guess when we played Andersonville, uh, the, the, the last time you saw me, that was wholesale. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's probably the last time I played. But prior to that, you know, Bruce Dern uh, used to play left field for me. A barefoot. He would play just in white sweat socks and play barefoot. What a great guy. <laughs> Bruce is funny. Uh, yeah, and he's also rather brilliant. Yeah, he's an interesting character for sure. I guess it's funny to be brilliant in this environment, you know. Somebody asked me recently who my favorite philosophers uh, were, and uh, I said after a moment, the birds and the bees. That's well said. Thank you. That's going to be. You made. Are you the guy who made Putney Swope? Yeah. Oh, isn't that something? Great. Yeah, that was quite a while ago. Well, it was just yesterday. It's all one circle, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's so great. Well, I get what I've discovered is that one uh, can't assume or presume that we're ever going to meet anybody that understands us. 
Well, the way the world's going, we might not meet many more people either that we don't know. I mean, this is really down to the edge now. Yeah, people. Oh, my goodness gracious. I know that. I, I know. I understand. Two years ago in polite society, if you said the world is coming down to the end of itself, people would say, don't talk like that. Now they're talking like that. Yeah, well, I know. I understand. Bob Altman uh, once said to me that he learned how to put it together in chaos, and therefore he would create chaos in which to put it together. <laughs> I wasn't thrilled with that because I said to him, you're working with some experts, people who, but if you can express yourself, but then again, what I realize, if you don't know what you want, you know, then that becomes somewhat manipulative, but that was, uh, that's the prerogative of the filmmaker or the artist. Uh, so I, I guess we're here to live and learn. I agree. Well, I was up in Port Townsend. Do you know Port Townsend? It's on the Puget Sound or near there in Washington State. There was a film, uh, 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 let me see, what do they call it? A festival. Yeah, a festival. I sometimes that word is tough for me, a festival. Uh, uh, and, and, and they showed some films that I participated in. And I was asked to, uh, if I would go to their high school. Uh, and talk with the 11th and 12th grade. And while I was waiting for the two classes to congregate, uh, I, I saw in this room uh, a, a, a picture, a poster, with a picture of Albert Einstein that I'd never seen before and a quotation that I didn't know. And the quotation is, where the world ceases to be the scene of our personal hopes and wishes where we face it as free beings, admiring, asking, and observing, there we enter the realm of art and science. So I, I so admired it, and they took it down and gave it to me. I had it mounted, and I live with it. That's great. I never heard of that, ever. Isn't it good? Now you got it. I got it. Even if I, even if I forget it, I'll never forget it. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't. You, uh, you're, I'm so grateful. Uh, I can call you Robert. You can call me anytime you want. Okay, anytime. <laughs> yeah. About that. So that's that. That's great. I, I so appreciate the opportunity, and also just to exist. I wanted to meet your kid, you know, because I, I, I understand him. Uh, you know, and it's like I, I remember speaking with Richard Attenborough and Robert Altman, two of my directors who had worked with your son. And I said I was going to try to see him. And, and they said to me, uh, if you can, let us know, because if you can, we'll try too. But, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it's your son. I mean, he's you know, uh, has a great wife now and children, and uh, he's doing wonderful work. And uh, I feel, I believe that a grain of pride is good for the heart, but no more than that because it's blinding, you know. You're on fire today. No, no, I'm just here. Uh, that's great. I've got, I also believe there's nothing of value other than what we have to share. And it's one thing to share goodness and accomplishment. It's another thing to share a problem. And once people are willing and capable of communicating directly like this, 
we can then see that no one of us can have a problem that one of us didn't have before. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there, therefore, I guess in, in a way, uh, there, there's hope. For, for you and I, I like at this moment, at this moment, but I'm just, uh, I'm just happy to be here and also to know that you called me once at a very tricky time and I, I had never really spoken to you and that was, that was well, well placed. Thank you. Oh my goodness. My goodness. I find also that, you know, I, I, I've been married uh, to two different people at two different times, of course, although it seems to me like it's all one time. And I, I'm an only issue, an only child from my parents. And I knew when I was three and a half, I remember the moment, literally, that uh, I knew that everything had been written and everything had been read and that fame and fortune really didn't mean anything and that if there wasn't peace and harmony, I was going to have an enormous, I was going to have problems. Uh, and and I, I go further back than that, but uh, uh, it's so great, and it's such a it's such a privilege, you know. I mean, modesty and humility is such an asset, and ego and vanity is such a curse, you know. But I've I've had to be able to accept my own because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Yes, I understand. And I met, you know, I met Jacques Brel. Do you know his work? Oh yeah. I mean, I asked to meet him, and I met him, and whoa, I love to listen to him. He's such a poet. Jacques Brel is unbelievable. Well, what an artist. Yeah, I remember that show he had at the Village Gate. Jacques Brel is alive and well and living in Paris, uh, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So about Bob Altman, I, I, I wrote down that there are five films you can't tell that he made. McCabe and Mrs. Miller, California Split, Nashville, Gosford Park, and The Player, and also you, uh, The Long Goodbye. You can, nobody can say that he made them all. They can say, oh, he made that one, he made this one. So I think he's one of the few filmmakers who doesn't have a genre. <laughs> well, life, life is a genre I felt for some time. Bob would uh, be, uh, his pictures are about life taking its course. Exactly. Uh, that's what it's about. It's not about the plot. No, he, he would say things to me, you know, and that were just so amazing. And, and you know, it took us a while, you know, it took us uh, a few pictures. And, uh, oh, my goodness, uh, he gave, what opportunity he gave me. And sometimes I took, but he had to cast me first. And then by the time we got to California Split, I got him. I knew. But, and then even in California Split, I mean, I went a little fast because the guy who wrote it, Joey Walsh, went to school with me. And California Split was semi-autobiographical. In life, in real life, I was, the, I was the character that George Siegel played. And Joey, the writer who produced the picture with Altman and played the bookmaker. If you revisit it, you'll see he's Sparky the bookmaker. I mean, uh, Joe, Joey, uh, I played Joey. And so at the end of the picture, 
uh, uh, Bob came to me. It was like the last scene, and we were upstairs at the Mapes Hotel in Reno. Uh, uh, and Bob said, "Can we finish the picture up here and not go outside where the writing was?" And I, I went too fast, uh, and I said yes. And, and so we did. But the writing, uh, and, and, and I went too fast because just like with Mash, when Bob thought that he wanted to cut the uh, sequences where we went to uh, uh, Japan uh, uh, to play golf and also to save a baby's life, uh, uh, he, he, want, he said he didn't want to do it. I said, no, the sets are built. We're all ready. Shoot it. We're all on schedule, and then if you don't want to use it, don't use it, but shoot it. So with California Split, the last scene, after I put the money in the shoes and after we've won, and it's not about winning, and it's not about losing, uh, and, 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 you know, it's, it's about life. It's about staying in action, staying alive. And, and then the seagull character is outside. It's nighttime, all the neon there, you know, at the casino. And, and I show up, I'm there. And, and he looks at me and he's got nothing to say, as usual, just like me. <laughs> and, 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 and he says, you know, he's got to go. And now at this point, another cab comes with three or four guys getting out of it saying, I feel it. I got it. I'm going in there. I'm playing number 46. There's no number 46. So I, whatever the number was, uh, yeah, we went higher than there are numbers. And so, uh, uh, so he says, you know, as he's leaving, uh, uh, and these new guys are coming in, uh, the Siegel character says to me, uh, his name was Bill, Bill Danny. He says, you take care of yourself. I know first, first uh, Charlie, the character I play, says you thought I would lose everything. You thought that I would blow it. And, and he doesn't know what to say. And then he says, you take care of yourself as he's going. He doesn't know where he's going. And, and, and the last line before I come back was, I'll take the best price I can. Oh, my God. And, and I said, just my father was a production manager in, and a buyer in the textile business. So, I mean, I understood that and could do it. But... The best best line I ever heard at a racetrack was two guys looking at the form. I couldn't believe I heard this. And one said, what do you think of the six horse? And the guy looks at it and he says, your marriage has a better chance than that horse. God, of course. Number six, Stan Musial, right? I think that's right. I think that is his number. I'm sure it's right, you know, but between us, we can make it for absolutely right. doesn't matter. So now I know that you've got a grandson, but now who, and you got a, a, a grandchild on the way. No, another one. Second kid. Uh, who is that? Did, is, did, did uh, your son have a daughter yet? Any minute. It'll actually be November. So My daughter was born in November. Molly Sapphire who is makes it all worth it and in and her mother married me three times my second wife married me three times and <laughs> milton burrell said that's because you looked like her first husband <laughs> and, and and so it just when molly when molly sapphire was four she said to me it doesn't matter how long you live so long as you know you're living right dad nice lyric oh yeah yeah Jesus. Well, California Split to me was, I don't know, it was really about everything you think about but nobody says, and you guys just lived it, and it was great. I'm oh, my God. I'll tell Walsh. will be so happy. He'll be so happy to hear that. Is, what's he doing now? Joey, 
Well, he's trying to write. It's the only picture he made. He was a child star. Uh, you know, he he was in uh, Hans Christian Andersen with Danny Kaye, and uh, he played his friend. Uh, and then he was also in The Juggler uh, with Kirk Douglas, which they shot in Israel. And uh, Joey had acted, you know, and he's he's writing, but he's never changed. And uh, we're lifelong friends, and he'll be so thrilled to hear this. Well, I know Bob was a gambler, too. Your son? Oh, Bob Altman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, oh, yeah, well. Uh, Bob <laughs> could never win. I mean, I, I think he gambled uh, by, by letting me cast myself. And I'm like that. He gambled in his work. But he once said to me, Bob said, that he was, you know, an aviator. He flew like uh, 51 missions uh, during World War II, went beyond the the most amount you were supposed to. So he said when when uh, studio executives and, and, and these business people would get on his case, and he said, what are they going to do to me? I mean, that is, uh, the Germans try to shoot, shoot me down every day of my life. They can't do anything to me. I mean, I'm always going to be honest and true. I'm always going to do what I feel. Well, he lived it. Yeah. You know who I'm very friendly with, Elliot, is Catherine. Oh, I know. Isn't she great? She's beautiful. She's funny. She's, you know, she was injured. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. And But yet she, she when she comes out, she gets moves on down the street. Trixie, that's what he called her. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's great. Now, so you live in New York? Yeah. And, and uh, oh, my God, how old are you now? 78. Oh, so you're slightly older than me. I spoke with Beatty. I spoke with Warren the other day. I said, Warren, we're elderly. We're fucking elderly. Can you imagine? He laughed. Because <laughs> Bob wanted to cast me uh, as McCabe, you know, but I, I couldn't do it at that point. And, I mean, I, I can't have regrets, you know, and I know why. Because, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm so grateful to have this recall. You know, and I don't distort. I get very enthusiastic, as you can hear. But because I mean, I don't. I don't expect people to understand or want to listen. You know. So, oh yeah, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. He wanted me and Pat Quinn to do it, and uh, I couldn't do it. I did something called "I Love My Wife," and I have, but no regrets. I bumped into uh, Francis Coppola the other day at Nate Niles. He's sitting there alone in a booth for two, and there was only him <laughs> sitting there. And I was with a director, a terrific guy named Andy Ackerman, who's directing me in a half-hour uh, situation that Fox is putting on. I play an old gay man. It's so much fun to camp. I did it in MASH. You know? I mean, I'm just all over the place. It's called Mulaney. John Mulaney's cute. He's very good. And there's Francis Ford sitting there, you know, and he said, hello. He said, you look young. I said, so do you. He said, you've got your hair. I said, so do you. And he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm doing a lot of television. He said, that's good work. And then I introduced him to Andy Ackerman, who's just great. He takes me through the show. I mean, we did six earlier this year. Lauren Michaels uh, is producing it. And then now we got 10 more to do, you know. Oh, it sounds like you're on a streak. Oh, a streak. The Dodgers are on a streak. They just beat the Giants three in a row. But they <laughs> they haven't won four in a row yet. How about the right fielder? What's that? How about that great right fielder for the Dodgers? Puig. He reminds me of your son. <laughs> they could be twins. 
Yasiel. That's a new name for him. They should name his new baby Yasiel. Yeah. Oh, seals were great. I used to love to go to Prospect Park and, and see the seals. They're so sweet. Oh, yeah. When you come to New York, why don't we continue some of this? For sure. How do we? You, you call me. Okay, so I mean, I'm just finishing this book by Walter Mosley, not to name drop. It's called Little Green. I love his work. Uh, you want me to write your number, or you have my number? This is where I live. I live alone, so you can you can make contact 24 seven. You know, because uh, you know how I feel, and you know where my mind is all the time. All right, we're on. Okay. Bless you, man. Thanks so much for my love to the family. And tell your son I love him. I will. Okay, thanks, sir. Okay, Elliot. Bye-bye. So, that was that. Or so we thought. We just stopped recording when Elias let us know that he was, in fact, still on the line. And as we hustled to hit the record button again, he launched into another great story. Although we missed the very start, I think he'll catch up pretty quickly old friend i mean she i was staying at the sherry netherlands she's the only one she she came to my room she's a publicist i mean maybe she worked for a firm and she came and she fucked me it's a you know like i thought wow i wasn't asking for it but i guess that you know in nature i guess people could tell you know but she's a friend <laughs> you know, sometimes there's not many people who fuck you that are friends but some 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 will well especially when you need to get fucked <laughs> <laughs> and then I got one last thing for now, but forever. This this goes this doesn't <laughs> stop. Is that do you know why? Tell me, do you know why lobsters and crabs can never ever get along? Never. Why? Because they don't have an agent? No, because they're two shellfish. Oh, is that true? That's true. <laughs> Makes sense. Well well punned. Yeah, then there are people who go, oh, no. I said, don't get cynical with me. <laughs> you got to keep it silly. Keep, you know, there got to be some silliness, but the truth is, it's a fact. It's true. Lobsters <laughs> and crabs are too shellfish. <laughs> too much armament. And then, and then I don't know, I've, I've, I, now I feel like we're really friends for a, a long time, is that I, I was uh, uh, friendly with Groucho Marx in his latter days. And he gave me the best review I will ever get. I changed a light bulb uh, for him over his bed. And when I came, when I put the new one in and came off of his bed, uh, 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 Groucho said to me, that's the best acting I've ever seen you do. <laughs> that's my, that's the greatest review I'll ever get. My favorite thing in one of his films, he's, He's in the room, and it's obvious that his brothers are with him, and the manager of the hotel comes in and says, how many are there of you in this room? And he says, uh, just me. And he says, well, and the manager says, well, your table's set for four. And he says, my clock's set for eight. What's that got to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You know, and, and then the one of the ones that I really, I mean, you've got to appreciate every uh, – molecule of the guy and the family is he, he he's quoted as having said and you may know this that uh uh outside of a book no outside of a dog a book is a man's best friend 
and inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. <laughs> Perfect. Make contact anytime. Uh, I look forward to it. Uh, and and uh, and thanks for being you. And thanks for being here. Same to you, Elliot. Bye. Bye. This is Nick Dawson from TalkHouse Film, and you've been listening to Robert Downey in conversation with Elliot Gould on the TalkHouse Film podcast. For more filmmakers talking film and TV, visit film.thetalkhouse.com. Subscribe to TalkHouse Film and TalkHouse Music Podcasts on iTunes, where you can find all our previous episodes. And while you're there, please write and review if you can. Until next time, goodbye. I got a desk, I got pencils, I got pens, I got paper. What's, uh, I, did, I, know, I, I believe this is Elliot Gould, I still know that. And, uh, and you're listening to what? The, the Talk House Film Podcast. Okay, so hi, this is Elliot Gould, and you're listening to the Talk House Film Podcast. <laughs>